Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors just like you about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, I'm Laura Gregg, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast, where my co-host David Partain and I talk with thought leaders throughout the advisory industry. We seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their businesses while deepening client relationships. Over the last couple of years, FlexShares has conducted a significant amount of proprietary research, and much of it has been gender and diversity related. That's true, Laura, and it's no secret that our industry is predominantly white and male, yet 51% of the U.S. population is female. And according to Cerulli Associates, just 14% of financial advisors are women, a figure that unfortunately is actually lower than it was several years ago. You're right, David. And the financial advisory industry has been acknowledging its lack of diversity for many years. We talk about it among ourselves. We talk about it at industry conferences. And we talk about it at our female professional affinity groups. While we read about it in almost every advisor trade publication, the needle is not yet moving. So what will it take to move that needle? Today, we'll seek to find out as we speak with Lori Berry, Senior Vice President and Head of the UBS Berry Wealth Consulting Group, which manages more than $218 million in AUM. But that is not all that Lori manages. While Lori founded her UBS team as a single woman in 1998, she has grown it and her family, which now includes her husband and three children. Lori is a recurring guest on Chicago's WGN radio and has appeared on the First Business News and WCIU-TV Chicago to discuss her views on the market, on marriage, and financial planning. She's been featured in a number of publications, including Know When and How to Sell Your Business on Entrepreneur.com, Fox News, and Can You Afford to Get Divorced in Make It Better? Lori was also named a 2017 Chicago Woman of Influence by the Chicago Business Journal for having a significant impact on her community and beyond, as well as the 2018 Top Wealth Advisor Mom by Working Mother for her ability to successfully balance work and family. And most recently, Lori has been recognized as a Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor in Illinois in 2020 and a Forbes Top Woman Wealth Advisor in the U.S. in 2020 as well. Lori and I have had the privilege of presenting together, and I'm thrilled that she has agreed to join me on the Flexible Advisor podcast. Lori, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Lori. Well, so many people that I talk to have accidentally, quote unquote, found their way into this industry. You actually went down a different path to get here. And in light of what we are discussing today, I think that is incredibly important for our listeners. So tell us about the start of your journey and ultimately why you joined the advisory business. Thank you, David. I am 
I am uh, pleased to be in this industry after so many years, but it all started right out of college. I was interviewing for a number of different, what were called sales positions at the time. And one of the positions was in a stock brokerage company. Right after college with much excitement, that was what I chose. I got my series seven, two months out of college and spent a year cold calling potential clients and offering them initial public offerings. After doing that for just about a year, I discovered that I felt that if I knew more about the client and I had different offerings for them, it would make a lot more sense for me to be able to help a client. So that's when I became a certified financial planner through a financial planning firm at that time and took off with the idea of wealth and financial planning for individuals. So I have a daughter who majored in math in college, and I tried desperately to get her to go into our business. But your story is a little more direct. What can we do as individuals or even as an industry as a whole to try to ignite the spark of being in this business in young girls? Well, I would definitely like to ignite the spark of young girls and get more women motivated at any age. I I like to say I started the business when I was nine years old and I helped my mom balance her checkbook and recognizing that most young girls don't have that experience. I really strive to get kids engaged in money in any aspect I can early on. When I started in the business right out of college back in 1990 and started doing women in investing seminars, it was groundbreaking. That's how I really kicked off sort of my career in the business. Hopefully from doing some of that and educating women, women could get on their feet. However, from the kids standpoint and young women, I do frequent career days at my kids' schools and other schools. I've had educational workshops within my home from parents and neighbors who just asked me, You know, how is it that your son is paying his phone bill and doing chores at age 12? My daughter, who's 10, I've educated her Girl Scout troop through earning badges and impressing them the importance of money. And most recently, I became a mentor in a program that's called Camp CEO, in which we mentor Girl Scouts that are in high school. I've also had a 15-year internship program that I created at UBS, hiring young women from colleges locally and positioning them to really recognize what a great career that this is. So I think I'm trying to do my part. I think universities really don't do our career justice, and they should have a very clear path for individuals to be aware of what a great career. I would I would love to do a university cross-country tour just talking about this career specifically to young women. I, I can't agree with you more on, on the university level. While more and more schools are having CFP programs, I also noticed that a lot of those programs are residing in colleges outside the College of Business. Uh, you know, I, I've talked to some people that makes it kind of less than 
less than uh, getting a degree in accounting or business administration because it's not in that business school. So, you know, I, I, I hope that uh, over time we can change that and get more of these CFP programs within the College of Business. Absolutely. So, Lori, I just want to ask you, do you remember that first Women in Investing seminar and how it was received? I feel like when I first started, I could envision it and it was either a room full of just a few women or a room full of 30 women. Yeah. And I just think back then it was just people, women especially were like a sponge, like they were looking for this information and it was very motivational and inspiring to share the information I had at such a very young age and realizing women, this, this wasn't really a focus. And I've really just kept with that focus throughout my practice, whether it's young girls or women. Yeah, I remember getting into the business in 1985 and visiting some of the larger firms in New York City and just, it was all men. That is hopefully changing, but it was uh, just overwhelmingly men at that time. And so you have mm -hmm. an all-female team at your UBS right. office. Was right. that by design or by accident? Uh, well, I would say it was definitely more by design. Um, after many years of interns and working with different individuals, you know, prior to UBS, I found that I worked best catering to the women client base, but I found that the women who I worked with worked best with those women clients in understanding women more, having very similar characteristics, patience, detail-oriented, you know, things of that nature. So not only did I feel like having an all-women team felt right for me, I really felt like it catered to the women that we were doing business with. You know, we did some research on building teams and advisory practices and how diversity factors into that in late 2019. And one of the findings, which is probably not going to surprise you, but it was that people like to work with advisors that they feel get them. And, and in fact, women were four times as likely to work with a female advisor than a male advisor. The only challenge is there's not enough of you out there. And so I'm wondering what advice you would give women that are thinking about enter, entering this industry, whether they're in college or in another career right now. Well, personally, I think, and I, I tell this to every woman I talk to, I talked to a woman yesterday who was thinking about getting into this career just yesterday. And I always tell them with much motivation, I think this is the best career for women. I discovered early on when I kind of worked through the values that I have, that I determined that flexibility and freedom were important to me as values. And I feel like that goes hand in hand with raising a family and having a career. I just feel like not only do women put themselves in a position of having financial security, which I feel is top of mind for most women, if 
you have a family, you know, one of the things that I like to do is I take my kid's school calendar and I plug it into my work calendar and then I work my schedule around that. And so I just feel like women who are thinking of entering this industry should really give it a second look if they're concerned about, you know, the schedule, the pressure, acquiring new clients. There's all these things or all these personal hurdles, but along with it brings income potential, having flexibility for your family. And what we do, I feel is so good. And we make a difference for each and every client in their lives. I just think women should really, really take a serious look as this being a potential, especially now with a lot of the financial advisory groups working in teams. You don't have to feel alone getting in in this business. And I feel like when I started out, it was just me. It was just little old me trying to build a business. And now there's lots of opportunities for women to work on teams in an atmosphere that can be very supportive of what they're trying to accomplish. You know, those are great points. And, And there are not a lot of careers that provide that level of flexibility. One of the other things you mentioned that struck a chord with me Uh was that, uh, you know, what you're doing to improve the lives of your clients. And, you know, this is really a relationship focused industry. I think a lot of people out there really feel that, oh, I've got to be an accountant or I really have to understand finance to do this. But, you know, what we're finding is that you can learn this industry. You can learn the technical end of it, but it's much harder to teach somebody how to care about people. That that caring and that nurturing, I think, is so such an incredibly important component of this business and that and the advisory role. And that's that's not something that you can really teach. I think you you have it or or you don't. Yeah, Um, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on that? Well, I just, going back to your other thought, Laura, about having the financial advisory business in the business program or not in the business program, I I came out as a communications major, but with the interest of business as a minor, and there's so many more psychological aspects to our business that there, there might be other subjects that people are individuals could look at taking to become interested in this business. So I guess in one sense, what school does it belong in? Because there's so many different kind of roles we play, but I would agree like the passion behind helping people is definitely at the forefront. And I feel like a lot of women feel like they want to help other people. So, you know, how do you, how do you have this career be, like you said, accountant focused or business focused when there's, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, absolutely. And in in terms of trying to pique interest in this field, you've long had an intern program. I know we we talked about it last year, and I'm hoping that Mm -hmm. you'll share with us about how, how you came to that and how it's Mm -hmm. working and how it's working, especially in this new virtual environment we're all in. Yes. I 
it's so interesting this year in general is so interesting but when i started my career i felt that there were things that i can have others help me with that my time is better spent creating new prospective clients and educating myself and motivating so i started out hiring interns way back when probably when one might say well you can't afford an intern and i like to i like to pay my interns i think they're of much value and i started hiring interns but i found that by having a summer intern it wasn't enough by the time the summer was just wrapping up the intern was finally getting getting into the swing of things so i created my own sort of program where i require an intern to work with us over over the summer to stay with us or they would start in the summer but they would stay with us a minimum of 1 year so i started recruiting interns from local colleges that i knew they would they could stay the full year i let them know that this was really going to be a great experience for them meaning they weren't going to fetch us coffee and just file things that i promised them that they would learn and they would at the end of their one year intern really determine if this was a place for a career that might be meant for them or not for them i would have them also help me train and recruit my next intern so this is the first year so we would recruit interns and start taking resumes resumes in february march we would interview them my team would interview them and this year we got to a point where you know the pandemic struck and UBS wasn't going to allow our current interns to stay on site and so we lost our intern before the end of her internship and we hadn't hired anyone then we got the green light in about june that we could hire them virtually So I'm very fortunate because my client service associate, she was my intern for 2 years before we hired her full time. She was able to train the virtual intern virtually <laughs> and get her up to speed without us being all together. We use business Skype, we have weekly meetings. I talk to her and Skype her one-on-one on a regular basis. but it was critical that my client service associate knew the role of what an intern was and was able to train her so this is our first year and she's doing fabulous and she's very excited to be working with the team she's learning a ton and we're hopefully going to see her on to her her next path but i think she's learning a lot about our industry it's just been great we kind of overcame the virtual challenge and it's working that's fantastic i think you know we we've, we've certainly all learned how much we can do virtually that we may mm-hmm. not have ever considered in the past <laughs> i've For always sure. worked a couple days from my home but even i you know would love to get back in the office and think there were certain things i couldn't do if i wasn't in the office but but that sure hasn't been the case Also, you know, one of the things that you mentioned there that I think is really important is, you know, especially so I've got college kids looking for internships, but it's yeah. a 3-month internship or, you know, whatever it is that they're off of school, 10 weeks. 
it gives you a small taste, but it certainly, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't give you a real view into what a career uh, at that firm or in that that role would look like. I, I love the idea that you require a one-year commitment because then they they truly leave understanding that this is something they want to pursue or they most definitely don't want to pursue, but they've, they've been through uh, a whole cycle. I think that's, that's fantastic. It works out really well for both parties too. That's fantastic. And even more wonderful when you're able to hire them on. It's been so great spending time with you again, Lori, on these podcasts. We love when our guests leave our listeners with uh, one actionable takeaway, something that we can do to advance women in this industry, whether bringing women in or keeping them in. I'm, I'm curious what you would say to people listening about how we can do a better job of embracing females in this industry. I think as a woman in this industry, if women would continue to do the same, meaning talk to women that are interested and let them know that they shouldn't be afraid of it. It's, it's such a wonderful career in so many ways and take the time to talk to other women who might be considering it, but maybe on the fence. So have that coffee, have that Skype call, whatever it is. I think as women, we should continue to do this. I think as an industry, I feel that companies in general, they have strict requirements for new advisors coming into this career, or they've always shaped the program to be a certain way for, let's say, our male counterparts, where that's the majority of the financial advisors in the industry. I think the industry and firms need to really think very carefully on how women can make such great advisors, but the program that is set up is not really conducive necessarily to a mom, let's say with school age kids, or a woman coming into the business feels that her income is going to vary dramatically in the first year and she has set requirements and timelines. I feel women build relationships with their clients that last a long time. And it takes longer potentially maybe to acquire that client or commit someone to working together. And I just think firms should take a a serious look at that and be open about the flexibility women really want and need. And we shouldn't just pretend it's a nine to five career. I always tell everyone this is This is a lifestyle for me. It's not a job. It's not a career. It's a lifestyle. And I think if we, meaning women, men, the industry, we were just more open and honest about how to make this career work for women, I think that more women would be attracted to the industry. And I'm hoping with all we've been through, through the past six plus months, that firms could see that there could be flexibility And people, especially women, can be productive, you know, working remotely and that, you know, we're all out for like a happy, balanced, fulfilled life. And while we're reaching our financial goals and helping others. So if if we can make this more of a role that sort of has that flavor to it or that 
those adjectives, I think we would attract more women to this this career. So um, again, I'm I'm hoping I'm hopeful for those percentages that David shared with us in the beginning to change. But I think women and firms need to be open and honest about what this should look like and how we should promote it to others. Well, Laurie, that is great advice. And as we all know, the old saying goes, if you find a job that you love, you will never work a day in your life. (laughs) For sure. So Laurie, thanks again for joining us today and for a frank and informed conversation. We appreciate it. Thank you. If you'd like to know more about the Barry Wealth Consulting Group at UBS, the easiest way is to search for Barry Wealth Consulting Group and like I did today, and it will actually show up as the top result. So you can find uh-huh. it right there. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.